This time, if you have your Bibles, be in Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6. And uh, today's message is called No Distractions. I've been preaching this series on the favor of God out of the book of Nehemiah, and we found out the first week that, that Nehemiah, when he found out that the wall was, was broken down, that it broke his heart, and, and he came to God with a humble spirit, and, and he found the favor of God. God opened up doors. God arranged with the king to take care of things, and, and God just started to, to move in a mighty way. And now Nehemiah has been given a blank check to go and rebuild the wall. He's been given authority. He's now in the presence of Jerusalem and working with the people, and they've been trying to build the wall. And uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about what does it look like when we're under attack by the enemy? What does it look like when you're under attack by the enemy. And last week we talked about what does it look like when you're under attack by the enemy and God shows up and fights for you. You're under attack by the enemy and God shows up and fights for you. We learned three things last week. When the enemy has threatened to harm you, don't be afraid. God will fight for you. Don't be afraid. God will fight for you. The second thing we talked about, that there's power in taking away the enemy's element of surprise. There's power in taking away the enemy's element of surprise. And God did that for Nehemiah and the, and the people of Israel. And third, stay united for you're not fighting alone. Stay united for you're not fighting alone. There's nothing, nothing worse than being isolated or feeling like you're fighting the battle all alone. And uh, the Israelites need to understand that they weren't alone, that God was with them, that God was fighting for them, and as they united as brothers and sisters, that God was there doing amazing things in their presence. Today's passage of Scripture, Nehemiah chapter 6, the enemies try one last ditch effort to destroy the wall. One last effort to stop everything that's going on. One last effort to, to keep the Israelites from, from having the surrounding of Jerusalem to be safe and to have their glory back. One last effort to stop all that God is doing. Sanballat and Tobiah, and now Geshem has, has joined them. And it says that they have been threatening and they have been fighting and they have been trying to scare them and none of the tactics are working. It says that they're getting to the point where the wall is almost complete. The only thing left to do is to put the gates up, the doors up, and to put in the security system at the gates, and, and that's what's left to do. But they're not giving up. Tobiah and Sanballat are not going to give up that way and, and that easy. And, and, and so what is it that keeps us from accomplishing our goals? Nehemiah's goal line. The goal line is right there in front of him. He can see that it's almost complete. The walls are almost put together. He can tell that, that they're almost to the finish line, What's been torn down for the seven years of captivity plus another 20 to 70 years, depending on who you talk to. So for a long time, 90 to 140 years, these walls have been down. But in 52 days, they've rebuilt these walls, eight foot wide, 26 foot high, and a mile long. It's an amazing task to get 30,000, 40,000 people working hand in hand, side by side, to, to build this amazing wall. And they're almost to the finish line. And one last effort to ruin the wall. What is it that keeps us from reaching our goals? What is it that keeps us from accomplishing the things in life that God has laid on our heart 
and has asked us to do. Maybe it's raising your children up in the things of God. And what is it that as you see, you know, the families coming together and you're staying focused and it's working and all of a sudden you see it all start to fall apart? What is it that stops our goals and keeps us from achieving them? One word, distractions, distractions. What is it that kept the Cleveland Browns from being in the Super Bowl this year? (laughs) We don't have enough time, Pastor Jim. I tell you, the number one thing is, other than coaching and working together as a team and all those other things that come with it, but they were distracted. They got distracted. They started to believe their own hype. They started to believe that they could be in the Super Bowl, and they started to buy into all that. And the reality is they got distracted. And distractions come at us in all different ways. Distractions of life will cause us to, to lose our focus. It'll cause us to stop. It'll cause us to go in different directions. I want to cough into the mic. It'll cause us to get distracted. And, and what are some of the things that distracts us in our life? What are some of the things that distracts us from accomplishing the goals that God has laid before us? And so I just wrote down some things, and maybe you've got some things you want to write down. But what are some of the things that distracts you and keeps you from doing what God wants you to do? I put down time. Kind of an interesting thought. Why would time keep us distracted? Why would it keep us from accomplishing our goals? Maybe it's not enough time. Maybe it's not enough time at the right time. I find it interesting that God is not confined by time. Time means nothing to God. He doesn't care about time. Time is put in place for us. It's to measure our days. It's to help us find time for rest. It's to help us to accomplish our goals. But sometimes time can keep you from accomplishing your goals. Sometimes relationships can keep you from accomplishing your goals. Maybe it's your spouse or maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your children. Sometimes relationships can keep you from accomplishing your goals. Sometimes work can keep you from accomplishing your goals. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Right? What should be your number one goal in life? Let's just cut to the chase, and we'll get to it more deeper here in a second. But what should be your number one goal in life? I'm going to help you out a little bit. You're in church. It's Sunday morning, and we came to worship somebody, right? So so what should be your number one goal or priority in life? God, your relationship with God. Sin has broken that relationship for each one of us with God, but Jesus came to restore that relationship. And so our number one goal in life should be our relationship with God. But sometimes things like work get in the way. Sometimes work will keep you from being the father or the mother that you should be. Is it difficult, mothers, to be at work 10, 12 hours a day and then come home to your children and have to feed them, dress them, bathe them, and go about the rest of your evening? Yeah, it's tough. Men, is it tough to come home and watch your wife take care of the kids? And and (laughs) Uh, 
right? It's sometimes work will just distract you from the goal. Tonight, we're going to spend time together as a family, have a good time together, and, and, and study the Bible and have a little devotion before we go to bed, and man, life starts to happen. Something breaks at work, and they ask you to stay over, and something else happens, something else happens, and all of a sudden, you get home, and it's 9 o'clock, and the kids haven't been fed, and they need bathed, and guess what happens to your time with God as a family? Out the window. Sometimes work can be distracting and keep you from accomplishing your goals. How about money? Does money ever distract us from accomplishing our goals? For some of you, your goal is to get money. Pastor Jim, my number one goal is to get money. Show me the Benjamins. It's all about the money. What's wrong with it all being about the money? What's wrong with your goal being money? No one's going to answer that one. What's that? It ain't God, okay? Can't take it with you when you go. It ain't God. So you can't worship it. It doesn't fill the void that's left inside you. It may give you a good steak or a nice car to drive or a nice home to live in, but it will distract you from the things that are really important. Now, I'm not saying that working and getting money is not important. The Bible says you don't work, you don't eat. Wow, try that one on for size. What do you mean, I don't work, I don't eat? I used to say it to my kids when they were 17, 18 years old. They'd look at me like, what? what? It's tough if you tell it to a one-year-old. I mean, it just doesn't work. <laughs> you don't eat, you don't work, son, you don't eat. Yeah, it don't work. But as we get older, start to mature, we have a responsibility to, to work. We can't be lazy. And yet it can cause you to get distracted from the real goal is our relationship with God. Sports can be a distraction. Playing them. And look, I love sports. I love teamwork. Makes the dream work. I mean, I love teamwork. I love what sports represent. I just walked by and heard like two seconds of Lou's conversation, and I heard something about a, a girls' basketball game and an overtime, and Emma, I don't even know who Emma is, but Emma made a three-point shot, and I went, ooh, that's cool. I didn't know anything about the game. I just, phew. so didn't mean to interrupt that, Lou, but, you know, sports is, it's exciting. I love it. I love what it teaches us. But sometimes, if it's your only thing that matters, it can distract you from accomplishing your goals. I listen to sports radio throughout the week, and I'm listening to it this week, and they were saying, what is your Sunday routine? And they were talking about, man, I get up, and I get all excited for the game, and I, you know, we got to have breakfast, and then, and the whole thing is all about the game. And they ain't playing the game. They might be betting on it. I don't know. They, <laughs> since it's not quite legal everywhere, they don't talk about that so much on radio, but it's such a distraction to what really matters, it's hard to spend time with your family if all you're thinking about is the sports. For some of us, TV is a distraction. Do you know I have a DVR that will tape like 1,500 hours, I don't know how much, hours and hours and hours of television? I still have the national championship game saved on my DVR. 
You know, I, I, when the World Cup comes around, I clear out everything except that game. And I clear out everything, and I tape every game in the World Cup. And it fills my DVR. And then there's no way I can watch them, so I start deleting them off. But it's, I got the game, right? TV can be a distraction. Sometimes it's nice to have a distraction. Sometimes you need to check out and chill out and relax. Went to see Frozen 2 with my grandchildren on Friday. (laughs) Other than Disney's propaganda and garbage that they put in every movie, it was amazing. The singing was amazing. The movie was amazing. We, We loved it. Isaac's like, Papa, what's your favorite part? You know, and he's just... He's just beaming from ear to ear. He was sleeping through supper. He literally slept through steak and shake. He woke up long enough to eat a couple nuggets and went back to sleep. But we get to the theater, the movie kicks on, and ta-da! I mean, we love movies. We love those things, but they can become a distraction. Stress can become a distraction. Fear can become a distraction. People can become a distraction. Wrong priorities can become a distraction. Bad goals can become a distraction. Disbelief or lack of faith can become a distraction. And today in the book of Nehemiah, we see what happens when our goal is right there in front of us and life tries to distract us. It tries to take away our focus. It tries to take away what really, really matters. It tries to take away what's really, really important. So what should our priorities be real quick? What's your number one priority? We just covered a second ago. God, your relationship with God. What's your number two priority? Family. If you're married, it's your spouse. If you're not married, it's your family. If you are married, it's still your family, right? It's it's your family, Number two is your family. Number three, what is your priority? Everyone gets quiet. It's up for debate, right? What'd you say? To provide. So work. To provide for your family. So work is number three. Some will put it down at number four. We can debate those other ones. One and two has to be one and two. The rest of it kind of falls into place. Work is important, number three. Number four is ministry. Serving God. You would say, well, maybe that's number three. I'm okay with that. It's what I do for a living. I'm okay with number three being ministry. So three and four, you can kind of swap those two if you want. Ministry. After that, outside activities, whatever they are, whether it's hobbies, whether it's working on cars, whether it's working on, on the homes, whether it's sports, whatever, outside activities, But what happens when our priorities get upside down and the number one thing that drives us is our outside activities? What happens in your family? Relationships go south. You can be 20 feet away in a different room and not know each other. Isn't that tragic? The kids can be sitting two feet away from you on the couch, glued to YouTube on their tablet, and you don't even know how their week was. If we get our priorities out of whack, we lose sight of what's really, really important. How do I know if my priorities are out of whack? How do I know what my priorities are? Pay attention to how much time you spend on the different things. And what is it that you spend the most time in? 
that's your number one priority. Oh, pastor, you just got meddling. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? Whatever we spend the most time in, that's probably our number one priority. And it should be our relationship with God. Number two should be our family. If we're doing number one right, number two and one will kind of blend together in such a beautiful way that it becomes unseparable. But it should be the bulk of your time. And the guy who's working 12 and 14 hours says, yeah, but you don't understand, Pastor Jim. I get it. It's tough, isn't it? It's tough. I remember when my company said to me, an aviation company said to me, Jim, we need you to move to Grand Rapids, Michigan with your family, and we want you eventually to become the, the vice president of, of customer service. We want you to work your way up. You'll be immediately, we'll put you in, in charge of customer service. It's a big deal, right? It was a, a large company, and it was a big deal. And I looked at my family, and I looked at God and ministry, and I said, No. I would have made a lot of money, but I had to decide what really mattered. And here's the amazing thing. All of our needs and a lot of our wants, God has always met. It's hard to say no when the carrot's being dangled. But what's important to you? What are your priorities? Don't get distracted from what God has, has set before you as the goal. My relationship with Christ, my family's relationship with Christ, if I gain the whole world and my children lose their soul, what have I done? Whew, that'll preach. <laughs> that'll get uncomfortable. Man, if, if, if those things become more important than God and your relationship with God, you're in trouble. No distractions. Eyes focused on the prize. The goal line is right there. Don't fumble. Don't blow it. Don't get distracted. In 2020, in order for us to find the favor of God, we must start with the broken heart and the humble spirit. We must listen to God. We must confess our sins and believe with all our heart. Trust in him. Have our faith in him as God speaks to us. And then we prioritize the rebuilding of what Satan has destroyed. Every day I talk to people and Satan has destroyed so many different areas of their life. It may be from their childhood it was destroyed. Someone hurt them and they're 60 years old and have never gotten over what happened when they were 10. I tell you in 2020 God wants to rebuild that area of your life. He wants to do amazing things, but it's easy to get distracted. I know you're looking at the clock. There's 13 minutes until 11, and Pastor Jim's long-winded, so let's get to Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1, shall we? <laughs> I was going to bring a ladder out and stand on the ladder and read this to you, but I forgot. And you're glad? That's why I wanted to get the big one because I knew it would scare half of you to death. But if I fell in the middle, that would look really embarrassing. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 1 says, When the word came to Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates, 
Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. Verse 3, so I sent a messengers, so I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave the same answer. Verse 5, then the fifth time, Sambalat sent his aide to me with the same message. And in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written. It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king. You've even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will go back to the king, so come, let us meet together. Verse 8, and I sent him this reply, nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. They're all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed. Now strengthen my hands. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabet. This is, Connie, can you help me with these? She pronounces so beautiful. I can never pronounce these wonderful names. Who was shut up in his, at his home, and he said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple, and let us close the temple doors. Because men are coming to kill you, and by night they're coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away? Or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this. And then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Remember Tobiah and Sambalat, my God, because of what they have done. Remember also the prophet Noadiah and how she and the rest of the prophets have been trying to intimidate me. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elu in 52 days. When achieving your goal is in sight, number one, the enemy continues to scheme against you to harm and distract you. The enemy continues to scheme against you to harm and distract you. Ryan, leave it up for a second. I got long sentences on these points. Enemy continues to scheme against you to harm and distract you. They've sent messenger after messenger. Five times they sent a messenger. They said, let's meet and let's, let's meet on the, on, let's, let's go to a neutral site on the plains of Ona and we'll have a talk. Come on, Nehemiah, let's just, let's just hang out and talk. Remember the other chapters are trying to kill him. The other chapters are whispering, we're going to show up when you least expect it, and we're going to destroy all of the people. We're going to kill you guys. And now they're saying, let's have a peace talk. Let's meet and let's discuss this thing. No more threats. Let's talk peace. Let's talk strategy. Come on down, Nehemiah. You can trust me. <laughs> Can't trust him. Right? What's he been doing? Threatening to kill you? 
From the day you got there, he's been mocking you. From the day you got there, he's been attacking you. He doesn't want to talk peace. Nehemiah says, but they were scheming to harm me. Nehemiah has a spiritual discernment where he realizes what's going on. He looks at their past history and what they've been doing and saying. He looks at the present history. I mean, it's just been a day or two since they've been threatening him. And now they're asking for a peace talk, for a moment to sit down and and discuss things. And he tells them, guys, I'm a little bit busy right now. Leave me alone. Second thing I see in this passage is maintain your focus. I am doing a good work and can't come down. I am doing a good work and can't come down. No distractions. Nehemiah is telling them, guys, I am doing a good work, and I can't come down. I can't come down off my ladder. I can't come down off the wall. I can't come down to the plane to meet you. I don't have time for this. My focus is there. The goal line is in front of me, and we're going to make it to the end. I don't have time for you guys. Leave me alone. If you want to accomplish your goals, you got to say no to the distractions. you got to say no to what's going to keep you from accomplishing your goal. Now, remember, our number one goal is our relationship with God. It's not all these other things that life makes it. So say no to those distractions and, and keep focused on the favor of God and what God has called you to do. See, in 2020, some of you, God is wanting to rebuild that broken life that has been destroyed by this world, and he wants to rebuild that in you. One brick at a time, one stone at a time, one block at a time, one forgiveness at a time. He wants to rebuild the brokenness in your life in 2020. But you can't get distracted. Gosh. I don't know how many times as a pastor I've seen people's lives start to change and God is working miracles in their life and he's changing them and all of a sudden a distraction comes along, another fight comes along, another lost job comes along, another broken relationship comes along and they turn and they lose focus on God and they walk away and it breaks my heart because they're one brick away, one stone away from God rebuilding their life. And I plead with you, don't walk away. Don't get distracted. What God has started in you, he wants to complete. What he's he's been working in your family, he wants to complete it. It isn't easy. I'm 55 years old, going to be 56 this year, and I'm still parenting I wanted to take a break. I wanted to be done. Give candy to the grandchildren and move on, right? 91? Your daughters still call you? Sons still call you? You're still mama them. You call them. It doesn't end. What you and Jay started, you got to complete. And until God takes you to be with him, you got to complete it. One block, one brick, one stone. Don't get distracted. Finish it. You may be looking at your children that are six or seven and saying, I can't do this for 60 more years. Are you kidding me? Carol gets it. Julia gets it. Connie gets it. They've been where you've been. 
I didn't ask them this question, but I think if I asked them this question, what would, what would their answer be? And their answer would be, don't quit. Don't stop. Don't give up. Don't get distracted. Finish that wall. That relationship with your child and God is the most important thing. Your family is the most important thing. Finish it. Keep at it. Don't quit. Pastor Jim, quit preaching. What is that good work in your life? For some of you, it's you don't know Christ, and it's today. It's, it's, it's accepting him as Lord and Savior. It's, it, it, that's the good work. For some of you, you've accepted him, and he's been waiting for you to say to him, I'm ready to surrender this area of my life. He wants to rebuild it, rebuild it, rebuild it. For all of us, it's different. It looks different in every one of us. But God wants to rebuild that in your life this, this year, this week, today. I'm doing a good work, and I can't come down. Never forget that. Let the main thing stay the main thing. Keep at it. Number three, and we'll close with this. Pray for strength. Don't let my hands get tired. Pray for strength. Don't let my hands get tired. Do I need to say anything else at this point? (laughs) Father, all I got left to do is to hang the doors. All I got left to do is to set the security guards at the gate and tell them when to open and when to close it. Father, the goal line is there. We're, we're near the end of 52 days. We've pulled off what no one said could be done. Whew, don't get distracted. I was teasing Kate and Brandon before the service, and I asked them how the newlyweds are doing. And I looked at them, and she was smiling, and he was smiling, and I said, Brandon, keep that. You better be smiling, Brandon. And I looked at him and said, 50 more years, you better be smiling. And then I said, oh, wait a minute, 72 more years, you better be smiling. Went to a funeral this week where husband and wife, 72 and a half years, were married. And she just passed away. And he's still smiling. (laughs) Don't get distracted. Keep at the good work. God is there, the enemies are there, and he's going to get you through it. And I don't care what it is. I don't care what the wall that needs rebuilt in your life is. God's got you. He's got that. And you need to focus on that. But get your relationship right first. And the other things will start to fall into place. And when the enemy tries to distract you, I ain't got time for you. I ain't got time for this. I'm busy holding my wife's hand and sitting on the couch and telling her how beautiful she is after 36 and a half years. I ain't got time for this. TV, shut up. <laughs> Man, you ever, been, <laughs> you ever been in a room watching a television show and a wife is trying to talk to you and you didn't hear a word she said, but you responded? <laughs> I did that yesterday. Someone was talking to me. I think it was here at church. Mark, was it Margaret? She's talking to me, and I answer her, and I didn't hear a word she said. I had no idea what she said. <laughs> and then she looks at me, and she goes, what are you doing? You, uh, I'm at home with my TV remote. I don't know. Don't get distracted. 
I'm going to ask Pam and, and Kayla and Katie to come up. So we get ready to close and, and song. Man, what would life look like if we could block out all the distractions, put God first, family second, and let everything else just kind of filter into place? What would your life look like? One stone at a time, one block at a time, one forgiveness at a time. What would it look like? Maybe you've never even seen a glimpse of that because you've never given your life to Christ. I invite you today to do that. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Who would say, Pastor Jim, as you're preaching today, I'm that broken person. And my number one priority has not been my relationship with God. And I'm far from God, and today I want to be close to God. That's my heart's cry. Pastor Jim, would you pray for me? If that's your heart's cry, you've never done that or you need to redo that, today is your day. Lord bless you. Lord bless you. Raise your hand. Anyone else? Lord bless you. Lord bless you. God bless you. Maybe you just lost focus. And you're saying, God, I just want to refocus in 2020. Pastor Jim, pray for me as I commit today to refocus and not be distracted. Raise my hand just saying, Pastor Jim, pray for me. Lord bless you. Lord bless you. Lord bless you. I see those hands. Let's pray. Father, you're a God who does the impossible. Father, you bring money out of places where money doesn't exist. Father, you bring supplies out of places that supplies don't exist. Father, you bring relationships out of places that are broken and messy and, and out of nowhere, you bring great relationships. God, through your son, Jesus Christ, you bridge the gap that separates us from you. And with forgiveness of our sins, you bring us home and start rebuilding that broken heart, that broken life. God, you are so amazing. Your love is so incredible. Today we come to you and, and we just shout to you, God, I don't want any more distractions. God, help me to stay focused. Father, help me when I leave this place that it becomes my heart's cry. And Father, when I lose focus, when I get distracted, I'm not going to get upset. I'm not going to give up and quit and walk away, but I'm just going to pray and I'm going to ask for strength that my hands not grow weary of doing the good you've called me to do. Ask and pray these things in 